What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Tonight, on Our Curious Past, I invite you to join me in Transylvania. I visited the country a few years back when I was doing some research for a book I wrote called The Frighteners, a journey through our cultural fascination with the macabre. It was an explanation and a defense of why human culture seems to be drawn to the spooky, strange, and shocking and scary. I actually recorded some audio while I was out there, and I thought for this bonus episode of Our Curious Past, I would share some of that while giving you some insight into the country that is best known for the blood-drinking undead aristocrat, Count Dracula. But there's a lot more to the place than you may think. And so, I'm Peter Laws, and tonight we fly together to the land beyond the forest, Transylvania. I began my journey to Transylvania at Luton Airport, which is in the south of England, and so we pick up the audio here. I'm actually at Luton Airport, and um, I'm waiting for my flight because I'm about to go on a little adventure. I'm heading off to Transylvania in about two hours. Um, I'm going to be heading to a place called Sibiu, and um, when I get there, me and my wife are going to be collected by... Um, a mysterious couple well, they're not that mysterious but it's basically, we're not going to a normal sort of hotel as it were but um, we've discovered a company called Secret Transylvania who um, they offer sort of bespoke sort of holidays for people who want to investigate Transylvania and so that's what we're going to be doing over there and so I figured, well, why not just bring along my recorder and record a few things on the way, oh my word, is that a vampire in the background? No, I think it's a crying baby let's get away from that um so yeah so i'm currently at luton airport just waiting for the flight to go um i'm going to be uh, exploring some draculus themed things when i'm out there obviously uh, i'm going to be visiting bran castle which is the classic k 
castle that is supposed to be linked to Dracula, but as we'll progress, we'll discover perhaps it's not linked as uh, as majorly as people seem to think. We're going to be looking into some of the, uh, the, the the creepy things that we can see over there, as well as the, the nice stuff. Um, so uh, for now, um, I'm going to. Oh. Uh-huh. Don't worry, that's not me. So I can go and get myself something to eat. So I'm going to head off to do that now. Um, see you in a bit. Well, uh, hello again. You join me on the flight to Transylvania. We're in the air now. My wife is asleep by my side. And out of the window, I can see some uh, mountainous regions of Europe, though I'm not really sure where I am. I'm on a, a budget flight, so we don't have any GPS tracking on the screen or anything fancy like that. But in the meantime, as we fly there, I thought I'd uh, share some thoughts with you on Bram Stoker himself, who is, after all, the author who popularized not only Transylvania, but vampires as well. For most of Stoker's life, he wasn't really known as an author, but rather the manager of the Lyceum Theatre in London. So that was his prime occupation, but he'd organize the theatre's programs and tours and the financial accounts, and he would meet and host dignitaries and high-profile guests like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and Mark Twain and even Theodore Roosevelt, Walt Whitman, Buffalo Bill, Cody, and, and many more. But Stoker also got his hand dirty in the biography by Paul Murray called In the Shadow of Dracula. There's a, a cool story where apparently one night a gondola was supposed to pass across the stage, but as it did, a sheet was supposed to be disguising the inner workings of it. And it was dragged away by accident, and the audience suddenly saw Bram Stoker in his gallant evening wear, inside the gondola, propelling it with machinery. So, he was passionate about the theatre. But uh, his life was overshadowed by a man called Sir Henry Irving, who owned the theatre and employed Stoker as his secretary. Irving was really famous back uh, in the late 1800s in England, and so he probably would have no idea that Bram Stoker, his secretary who would do all these menial jobs in the theatre would wind up to being way more famous and well-known than he was. Stoker was born in 1847 on the coast of Dublin in Ireland. He was the son of Abraham Stoker, which is where you get the Bram from, a shortened version of his dad's name. And he was a sickly child, apparently. He couldn't walk upright until he was seven years old, and his mother Charlotte used to carry him around the, um, the house all of the time. But he got influenced by his parents sharing spooky Irish folk tales, and some of them had a kind of seed of vampire myth in them, like the very true stories of uh, Britain and Ireland, where executed criminals were sometimes buried at crossroads with stakes through their heart, or how his mum would tell him grim tales of cholera outbreaks in his town, or, or stories of starving families who would have to drink the blood of cattle to survive. It's reasonable to assume that these sorts of tales resonated with Stoker and brewed in him as he kind of thought about this, this story. But some historians even say that Count Dracula was modelled on Henry Irving himself because he was such a dominant authority figure in Stoker's life. Apparently, Stoker first met Irving after he wrote a glowing review of the actor's performance in Hamlet. 
And so in 1876, Irving read this and summoned Stoker to his hotel one Sunday afternoon. And while they were there, they got on like a house on fire and Irving started performing poetry for Stoker. And Stoker later said that he was so in awe of this man's dominance and power that he just sat there in the hotel spellbound. Some people say he even stayed there transfixed until dawn. This incident has echoes of the novel Dracula when a young Jonathan Harker meets the, the dark charisma of an irresistible yet dangerous vampire Count Dracula. And you could even say that Henry Irving was like a vampire in the sense that it sucked the life out of Bram Stoker who forced him to work very long hours at the theatre and many weeks away on tour. He was a relentlessly demanding boss. But despite the theatre job, uh, Stoker still found the time to write, and it was in March 1890 that he started to assemble his ideas into what would become Dracula. And he spent his summer in Whitby, in Yorkshire, where he discovered the name Dracula in a library book. And when uh, Dracula was finally published in 1897, it did receive critical acclaim. Some books you read say it had a very mixed response when it came out, but actually the reviews were pretty positive indeed. It was seen as thrilling, well-written, and a frightening novel. But it wasn't a huge commercial success, at least not in Stoker's lifetime. So he certainly wouldn't see it turn into the phenomenon it would become. Stoker died on the 20th of April 1912, in the same week as the Titanic sank. And on the day he died, he was found with some of his early stories spread out on his bed. I think he was still planning, even in those final moments, of publishing some of his works. But it was Dracula which really struck cultural gold and the book is still in print 150 years later with hundreds of movie adaptions and imitators and a travel industry that I'm part of right now, flying on my way to Transylvania. I wouldn't be coming here for any other reason if it wasn't for this man, Bram Stoker. And as I uh, just lean over and have a little look out the window, you can see the mountainous regions. Got that sense that we're not too far now. Now, I'm not sure if you can hear that, but I'm currently outside in the middle of the night, pretty much. It's midnight, and I'm here in Transylvania in a village called Siesnadora, I think it is. It's an old Saxon village, and um, it's pretty cool. I mean, I can just describe it to you now. I can look up at the top of this really big hill, and there's a fortified church up there looking all spooky. I'm living inside, I'm staying inside this uh, Saxon house. High above me I can see the full moon and plenty of stars to see. And around me I can hear dogs barking. When I arrived here, by the way, um, 
we got off the plane and got a lift to the place we're staying. And I saw a local lady pushing, um, pushing a child in a buggy. And this local lady was crossing herself vigorously. I'm not quite sure why, but... And then we passed a um, cemetery. And just outside this cemetery, there was this... Uh, like, there was a whole bunch of people, like, selling. This was, like, quite late. And outside this cemetery, there was these people selling um, all sorts of different flower arrangements and from different religions, I think, so that people who wanted to go into this giant graveyard could take in flowers for the dead. Anyway, um, it's midnight. I've had a few whiskeys, so I think it's probably time that I headed to bed tomorrow. We're going to be heading up to um, the Carpathian Mountains. And so maybe I'll be able to check in there, depending if I'm able to bring the recorder with me or not. So, it's time to say goodnight. Oh, and also, when we got into our room, just one more thing. It's when we got into our, our room, I opened up my... Oof. The lights have just went off. Can you hear the dogs? I'm going to whisper, because I think one of the dogs isn't that far away. Um... When we got back into my room, into our room, I opened up the drawer uh, to put some socks away. And inside the drawer was a crucifix, a clove of garlic, and an Egyptian onk. So they seemed to be covering all bases. Anyway, it's nighttime. I'm in Transylvania, and it looks kind of beautiful. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Turn on your TV or open a newspaper and you'll quickly see it. Our world is filled with murder. And with every deliberate killing, we have to ask, what makes them do it? Are murderers born to kill or are they made? Killer Psyche Daily is a new podcast that offers a quick bite-sized rundown of what motivates the world's most ruthless criminal masterminds and savage killers. In each episode, host Candy Stallone breaks down a case and explains what drove these people to kill. There are so many true crime podcasts out there, but Killer Psyche Daily stands out to me for a few reasons. Firstly, the host, Candice, isn't just some inexperienced web sleuth. She's worked as an FBI agent and criminal profiler, and so she's able to draw on her expertise in the field. I'm also impressed with how up-to-date the show is, with insights from Candice about really recent cases, like Richard Allen or the Stockton serial killer, who were both arrested only a matter of weeks ago. As an Amazon Prime member, I love how this high-quality podcast is included in my membership. Candice shares what it's like to work at Quantico and with expert guests, killer trivia and virtual Q&As, you'll get loads of content, which is both gripping and insightful. Well, hey, Prime members, listen to the Amazon Music exclusive podcast Killer Psyche Daily in the Amazon Music app. Download the app today. Well, it's, uh, it's early in the morning and uh, we've got up and our hosts have given us a really amazing breakfast. The food that is provided by the uh, Secret Transylvania team is really, really impressive. So we're well fed and we're going to be heading off to the mountains soon. But just before I head off, I thought I'd mention uh, you might be wondering where Transylvania is while well, it's in Romania, in Europe. I think that is worth mentioning because uh, some people you meet think it's in Hungary it used to be part of the Hungarian kingdom. But other people think it's a fictional place, you know, like uh, 
Orwell's Oceana or, or Thomas the Tank Engine's Sodor, but now it's a real, actual place. And it was first mentioned in a medieval Latin document in 1075, and it was described as uh, the, the land beyond the woods or beyond the forest. And the country's been home to many different cultures and races, but one of its uh, most famous figures, of course, is uh, Vlad Tsepes, uh, also known as Vlad the Impaler, who's well known as being a ruthless fighter for the region. Did you know he once nailed turbans to the skulls of the Turks because they refused to take them off in his presence? He got all sarcastic about it and said, I'll help you keep your custom, and then the whacking began. Anyway, he's widely thought to be the direct inspiration for Bram Stoker's Dracula, but was he? Well, we'll look into that later. But for now, I've got a journey to make, so join me as we head up to the mountains. Well, uh, this is pretty incredible. I'm standing high up in the Carpathian Mountains of Transylvania. There's a very famous and often photographed roadway to get up here. It's called the Transfogorashan Road. I think that's how you pronounce it. And uh, it's one of the most impressive and most winding roads I've ever seen. But I've only ever seen it in photographs because despite the fact that I'm up here now, it's February. And so in the winter months, these mountains become covered in ice and snow. So the famous winding road was not only totally inaccessible this morning, but it was also pretty invisible. So the only way to get up here was by a rickety cable car, which brought us 14 kilometers up the mountain. And we're staying at this place where I'm standing now called Balea Lac. And uh, it's a lake which in the summer is fully thawed and the mountains around are lush and green. It's one of the things about Transylvania. You probably need two visits because at different times of the year, you can see both sides of its beauty. But right now, we are in the thick of snow. The lake is completely solid. In fact, we've been walking across it to get to a little rustic chalet where we've had a hot drink earlier. When we arrived, we were given the opportunity to try some winter activities, so I planned on hiring a skidoo or a snowmobile to uh, race around up here at speed. But sadly, that was called off because the conditions are so wild right now uh, something like a blizzard, uh, visibility keeps dropping. So the instructor said that if we did head out on a snowmobile, it's very likely that we would accidentally race right off the edge of the mountain and fall to our deaths. So I passed on that. We did do some tubing instead. We headed up to the top of a large slope, hopped on some massive inflatable donuts, and just been racing down the hill. Lots of fun. Now, earlier our guide took us snow tunneling where we walked through the road tunnel that is blocked off in the winter months. It was filled with these huge, creepy and weird-looking icicles hanging like stalagmites and stalactites. And we had to head through the, in the pitch blackness with our torches, with these huge frozen spikes like hanging over our head or tripping over them underneath. And of course, because any one of them could potentially drop from the ceiling at any minute, it was a little bit, uh, bit nerve-wracking, but we got through that. And then we visited another chalet while we were up here, which used to be the ski retreat of the former communist leaders of Romania. But for now, we are going to be setting ourselves up for the night. Not in a chalet. In fact, we're going to be staying in a small hotel up here 
But it's a hotel with a difference. It's been crafted entirely from ice. Yes, everything in this hotel is made of ice. The beds, the walls, the tables, the chairs, the bar. They've been able to run colored lights through the ice, so it looks amazingly atmospheric and cool and strange. But beautiful strange, if you know what I mean. In each of our rooms, we've got uh, snow sculptures with the signs of the Zodiac. And earlier, my wife and I had a meal in this ice hotel on plates filled with sheet ice. We had to eat while wearing all of our snow gear and um, our gloves. But in the bed, we were able to take uh, all of that off because despite us sleeping on a block of solid ice, the bed is covered with multiple animal skins, which are amazingly warm. Now, despite this being an unusual place to sleep, I reckon we'll have a good night's rest. Because one thing I've noticed is that the sound simply does not travel through ice. It would make a great studio to keep recording podcasts in here. So these bedrooms with ice walls are absolutely silent. spectacular. As I look up, I can see the peaks of, of the mountains, which are actually very close since we're so high up in any way. I saw some of the guests climbing them earlier today, but now I wish you could see this. It's set against a star-packed sky. The wind is blowing the snow all around me. I'm completely alone. As I, as I reach this cable car hut, I've Oh yeah, I've just in the just in a few hours the snow has blown into a ridge against this door. I'm gonna have to dig it out to get inside, so just a sec. Well, I've, I've been to the toilet and now I'm going to head back to the ice hotel. And that isn't the only ice structure up here, by the way. There's also an ice church that was built just on the right. Apparently each year they build everything slightly differently. And so they put in a, a church this time. Makes sense, of course, that uh, they can change things around each year because the bed I'll be sleeping on tonight and the sculptures that I've been admiring... And, well, they're all going to melt away in a few months, so best enjoy them when I can. We're heading back to the village uh, tomorrow, so I'll catch up with you there. But before that, I'm, 
I'm not going to go back to my bed just yet. I'm going to pull out my phone and play a little bit of music from a film I really like, John Carpenter's The Thing, which is set in an Arctic uh, research station. I think the Ennio Morricone score is a fitting soundtrack to this place, so I'm just going just gonna to breathe it in for a bit. Well, I do hope you can join me for the second and final part of this two-part episode where we'll be coming down from the icy mountain and heading to a castle that has all the hallmarks, at least in terms of what it looks like, of Castle Dracula. We'll be going to Brand Castle and uh, a few other interesting historic sites and we'll also be hearing briefly from the daughter of the village, Wise Woman, who tells us a little bit about the, uh, the fear of the devil in these towns. But uh, for now, you've been listening to Transylvania, the land beyond the forest. I'm Peter Laws, and this is Our Curious Past. Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.